Hi there. We welcome you to the Rush Hour podcast with Corky and B-Rush, the show. Well, we've changed things. We've compressed three hours of content into two hours, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 9 a.m. However, we're not skimping on the conversations. No, the very thing that made this podcast so popular is the thing that we're continuing. So, for the next 15 minutes or so, enjoy the latest podcast on the Rush Hour Morning Show with Corky and B-Rush. Ladies and gentlemen, I want winners. I want people that want to win. Go ahead. What's up, man? From Belmont, North Carolina, at a combined weight of 526 pounds. You play to win the game. Your tag team champions of the world, Brian Rushing. But they are who we thought they were. Corky Franks. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. The Rush Hour Morning Show. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, that's why sometimes I call you guys commies. That's why. And we welcome you back to Hour 2 here on the Rush Hour Morning Show. So glad that you could join us on this Tuesday morning as we've got to pivot. And, and we'll address that a little bit later on as, as we, we got our signals crossed. And so we're going to have to try to move some things around. Right now, what I want to do is welcome to the show for what has become pretty much a weekly segment. We get to talk to Niner Brad and we get to talk about all things basketball because it's that time of the year. Niner Brad, good morning. Welcome back to the Rush Hour Morning Show. Hey, y'all did a good job of uh, switching up the game plan and getting this, getting this figured out. Well, <laughs> we just we just bring you in from the bullpen in the fifth inning instead of the seventh because we need an out right now. So That's how you do it, I'm baby. Just a util- I'm the utility player. Just figure it out and we'll go from there. Hey, man, you got to do it on the fly. You yep. just, hey, the plan don't always work. You, you better have a backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan to the main plan. Hey, he's the left-handed spot reliever. That's the way we use him. Oh, geez. That's a that's an insult. I want to be the ace. Come on, now. Oh, easy now. Well, easy. I can hang up on you if you go get an ego. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man. We were, okay, okay. Listen, we were talking before we, before we brought you on. I know you hadn't had a, a ton of time to look at these brackets, but you know, like you mentioned, dude, it, it's a it's it stinks that that possibly Ashbrook and Crest will be playing each other in the second round. Two really good teams, and somebody's got to go home too, way too early. That's that's. What do you think about that? Uh, way too early. Um, and it's like I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not going to throw it out there and say they both could win the state title, but I mean, they legit could. Obviously, the favorites are Hickory and Central Cabarrus, but at that next little tier below, I mean, you've got three teams in the Big South that could legit make deep runs, but one of the one of those will not be able to because Crest and Ashbrook are going to be playing in the uh, second round. Um, that should be, at worst, a regional semifinal-ish final matchup. Yeah. But, you know, you just got to play, uh, play who's next. I mean, look at Huss. You know, I, they possibly, if they win tonight – they could be playing Central Cabarrus in the second round. Um, 
more than likely going to have to beat Central Cabarrus to win a state title. So, I mean, I guess you just look at it as an optimistic route, and you're just going to beat them. You just got to go beat, beat them in the second round. You know, you don't have to beat them at some point. So let's go beat them in the second round. Yeah, you got to beat them or Hickory, one or the other, or maybe both. Uh, that, in, in, in this case, you're right? And the, they are the favorites, and rightfully so. I mean, you don't go 27-ish and 0, 25-0 for no reason. Uh, so they are the prohibitive favorites. Well, you know, I mean, you could you could pretty much break down anybody's bracket and say it's unfortunate that they are where they are. I mean, the reality is, is it's a it is it stinks that Crest and Ashbrook could could conceivably meet in the second round of the state tournament. But it also speaks to the depth of this league because I'm going to tell you something right now. And and Andrew Fan talked about this just a little bit last hour when he talked about his Kings Mountain Club, a 24 seed last year, went up to the mountain and took a game and got into the second round. The reality is you look at this South Point Club, a 24 seed taking on Freedom. You look at East Lincoln, a 25 seed taking on Piedmont. If you sat there and told me that either one of these clubs steals a game from the likes of either Freedom or Piedmont, this wouldn't surprise me a bit. The reality is, I know East Lincoln is not in the Big South Conference, but East Lincoln has played some formidable opponents from this league and played in their own league. The reality is, is that you look at these 24, 25 seeds, guys like this, they're more than capable of pulling off an upset against a team, let's be very honest, Freedom, Piedmont, really good basketball teams, but they're certainly not the scary part of what we see out of the top four seeds in this 3A bracket, and they're certainly not as scary as what you would see out of Central Cabarrus or the number one seed, the Hickory Red Tornadoes. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, these are kind of like heavyweight fights, and these styles make fights. Um, you know, it's going to be a um, a good uh, thing to see to what, who matches up with who. I, I don't know how what style of play that could give Central Cabarrus, and hopefully maybe I'll get a chance to kind of scout that and see what kind of style would be able to uh, give Central Cabarrus problems. But styles make fights, um, and I – we as a, as a Hus team, I think seeing them those guys play, I think that we should give some North Henderson some problems. But um, East Lincoln, um, what's the kid's name that uh, had a great season, scored all the points? Uh, Do you know the the name escapes me. I, I want to say Jackson okay. Fannin, but but I, I, that that I, last name may be wrong. Right. So, you know, and you don't play these guys, so it's a, it's a quick scouting. So will he be able to get off against Piedmont? You know, th those are the types of questions, you know, that are you, are you going to be able to stop the, their system? You know, do, who runs a flex offense, who presses, you know, those, those are some questions that, you know, these coaches are going to have to figure out and they have to figure it out quickly. You know, it's basically one day of practice yesterday. So a lot of these guys are going to have to figure out a game plan of, how are you going to plan to stop either their best player? Or are you going to stop them as a team? You're going to let other people beat you. That's a, that's a lot of big questions coaches have to answer. Yeah, Jackson Fannin is the guy. 21 points a ball game throughout the course of the season. And again, this is the one thing that cannot be understated or, or, or overestimated here in this circumstance. The reality is if Jackson Fannin, and he's put up some big games this year, if he goes into Piedmont and puts up a big game for this Mustangs club, 
There's no doubt in my mind because the three-point shot is the great equalizer here. That's why I think that East Gaston in that 2A bracket could create some problems for some folks. I mean, I, I know that this is a club in East Gaston that's going to be going to West Caldwell. I know that East Gaston's a 22 seed. I'm telling you right now, they're probably one of the most dangerous 22 seeds you're going to get out of any bracket. As far as I'm concerned, if East Gaston is shooting the basketball like they're capable of, there's no doubt in my mind this club has two, three, maybe more rounds in them. Easily. And I, and I, you know, just from thinking what a coach would do, I think they would try to take Trenton out of the game uh, or at least make him a passer and try to let the uh, two guys on the wing try to kill, uh, beat them. And um, they could shoot it. They can, I mean, I've, I've saw, uh, Austin, is it green? I'm, I don't want to miss yeah. his name of it. Green. Yeah, John, it, um, John Michael I mean, Martin I, Murphy green. Yes. I think I, yeah, I think I saw him hit six threes in a game, you know, and, uh, the point guard Jace is starting to shoot the ball pretty well too. So if he gets going to, they're going to cause a lot of, lot of, a lot of issues going forward. Well, I mean, the East Gaston team to me has a lot of shooters. The reality is, is when you look at Jonah Hole, you look, you look at Trenton Sherrill, you look at John Michael Green, these kids can all shoot the rock. And it's not just those three. And if those guys can get fluid offensively and really start feeling the stroke from outside, they're going to create a problem. I mean, they really are. So, you know, yeah. Brad, we, I definitely want to spend a little time talking about the Charlotte 49ers because it was not a good week oh, for the Charlotte 49ers. I, I know you've, you've still all. got, you still got the thing, but, but let's think upside for just a moment. Okay. This is a Charlotte 49ers club with three remaining games on the season. And as if they didn't need any other fuel to stoke the fire for this week, South Florida, their next opponent, this Saturday right. in Halton Colise and Halton Arena, the 25th ranked Bulls come into Halton Arena to take on the Charlotte 49ers. Just another layer. Another opportunity for the Charlotte club to pick up a big win against South Florida, who's now a top 25 team. It's a must win. Uh, it, that, it really is. The losing two games this week uh, just really put them on, on the, and they put, it put them on the outside looking in from what I'm seeing. I, I, I didn't even see them in the NIT preliminary bracket, which is, it's unfathomable, but to me, but uh, it's a must win. Um, I almost think they really need to win out uh, to really make a, a case. The, the Tulsa game, that you just can't let that one get away. Um, the Memphis game, obviously they were a desperate team, and they're already good. They just had, hadn't quite got the expectations, um, and they definitely weren't the team that they were prohibited to be. But the Tulsa game, that, that just kind of – it put the knife in them and hopefully the knife won't keep twisting, but the, the South Florida game, they have to win it. I mean, I, I, you don't, there's no other way to say it. I mean, you want to win the conference, but the South Florida game, it, it's a game they have to win. It gives them another statement win, like the Florida Atlantic game. Uh, they just have to win. They just got to figure out a way to win that game. Well, and I think, you know, yes. I mean, is it, as, is it a must win? Well, it's about as much of a must win as you can possibly imagine because inexplicably, the experts out there are still saying that the American Athletic are not going to be anything at the very least more than a two-bid league, which is just 
balderdash to me. It's just a complete joke that that's exactly the way that they're thinking about this. And the reason that Charlotte's not getting a, a lot of love as it relates to the NIT at this point is strictly because of the fact that the NIT has pretty much hitched their wagon to all the major conferences that don't get into the national tournament anyway. They're going to bring as many fan bases into that tournament as they possibly can because that's the only way that anybody's going to watch it, and they know that. So, you know, that's exactly how that's going to go. You know, Brad, the reality is if this club does beat South Florida on Saturday, it certainly will give them a credible win because this South Florida club – is a good basketball team and certainly deserving of a top 25 ranking. But I think it could right the ship at a point that they desperately need to right the ship and build some momentum and get some of their confidence back. The reality is if they do win the next three, South Florida, Rice, East Carolina, the final two games are incredibly winnable. There's no question about it. They should win those games. If they do finish up winners of three straight, then they basically get an opportunity to build all the momentum in the world for the American Athletic Conference Championship. And let's be honest, I don't know that there's anybody that says Charlotte has no shot or a minimal shot at winning the American Athletic. I think they're equally capable of winning this tournament, and I think they'll have a chance to prove that if they play well and pick up a win against South Florida on Saturday. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, tournament committees probably look at how teams are playing at the end. Um, let's just say they would have lost two or more early games early and they've just finished out the season at the same record. They would probably look at that as a as a better thing for Charlotte. So hopefully they'll, they'll take care of business, obviously, with Rice and East Carolina. Can they get one of those uh, moral victories and let's just say they lose by two and still be, you know, in a good situation, possibly, but I, I just really think the South Florida game is is their national championship game right now. Um, as Florida Atlantic was earlier in the year, it, it is just a game that they just they've got to have to make a statement to the tournament committee, to the rest of the American Conference, just to prove their point um, to as you know stamp a, a part in the program. Well, and the, and they're going to need the community to show up to Halton Arena to make that a true home court environment. I mean, the reality is it's difficult enough to win games on the road, but if, you're, if, you're, if your campus is on spring break, then that's why you've got to have the community show up and bring the noise for that basketball game. Niner Brad, while we've got an opportunity, I do want to spend a few minutes talking about last Saturday. Uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Duke-Wake Forest. Wake Forest gets a very impressive win, 83-79 over a top-10 Duke Blue Devils team resurrecting the process that Wake Forest, and a lot of people are on the side of Wake Forest being a tournament team. Now, I have no issue with that. I have no issue with that at all. The reality is Wake Forest is 15-0 and inside of Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Now, they've had some difficulty on the road, and they'll need to correct that in short order. But if this team makes it as an NCAA tournament team, I have no problem with this. However... The one thing that came out of Saturday's game is not the fact that Wake Forest could be a tournament team, not the fact that they beat a top 10 team, but what happened with the court storming incident that saw Kyle Filipowski get injured to some degree after the game was over. Would love to get your thoughts on the incident and court storming in general, because I got to be honest with you, 
I'm really torn as to how the NCAA moves forward in dealing with court storming. Uh, I'm definitely probably the last person you want to ask about this. I'm just totally indifferent about it. Um, My opinion doesn't really matter, uh, but I will give it uh, because you ask it. The, The problem is, is, it's called court storming. Um, and that's where, you know, people are getting, I guess you could get hurt. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and talk out of both sides of my mouth. Number one, I think Mark Filipowski could have done a better job of just staying out of the way, but that's just my opinion. But fans are in the stands, players are on the court. That's just the bottom line. Uh, that's the way it should be. I think court storming gives uh, people a right to just go crazy. And I, I just don't see the where that makes the fan experience better. Um, I've been a part of when we beat Cincinnati, you know, they stormed the court. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't make, for me, it doesn't make the fan experience better. Maybe if they call it court, uh, walking onto the court, maybe something like that would be better. Uh, there's just no fix unless you just ban it. Um, cause you know, you can't say, Hey, you, you can go on the court afterwards cause people aren't going to listen to that. People just don't have the common sense to do it that way. Charlotte does do a cool thing when they win big games or when they win games. The players go into the stands and give high fives, and that that's happened actually since the Florida Atlantic game. Would that happen everywhere? I don't know. But the only way you're going to fix it is just to ban it. Um, people can't usually just do things the proper way. Um, I just don't see why fans would want to run on the court, number one except just to, gives a reason to act foolish. Um, and then, you know, there's no way to really protect the players unless they're just going to, you know, throw elbows. So, you know, it is what it is. This needs to be banned. Um, it's not going to take away from the fan experience. You're still going to beat good teams, and you can still – you can go outside and hoot and holler and enjoy it that way. It's just – I just – I'm just – I'm bland on it. I just think it's kind of pointless. Well, and, and I certainly understand your position. But we even have college ADs, college presidents, that not only are okay with this happening, they actually encourage it happening to the point to where they'll have no problem paying any fine that a league were to levy on them for this moment because they understand it's such a great photo opportunity for them to use through social media to promote their college, to promote the university, to promote the athletics department. They believe that it's going to help with recruiting. They believe it's going to help with enrollment. And so therefore, as far as those guys, unless someone from high above puts the the kibosh on this, they're going to want to continue to do it and they'll pay any fine that's out there. And, And the reality is it's not just players that are getting hurt in this situation. I don't know if anybody happened to knows in the footage of the game on Saturday, there were people that were coming out of the crowd that were getting trampled on top of one another. The reality is to me, this seems something that's almost unique to college sports. I don't know. Like we've had incidences like this before in the professional ranks and it got turned away awfully fast. These types of things typically do not take place in the rambunctious fashion in other sports that you see in college basketball or even in some instances college football. I I wished it was part of the experience that could be done well, but it's very obvious 
that very seldom is it ever done well to where people are able to safely get off the floor that want to get off the floor and the people that want to come on the floor are able to do so with some modicum of decorum and so therefore it has its place. I don't know what the final solution is going to be about this, um, but I think progressively this situation is going to get worse and worse. And unless something is done proactively, it's really going to lead to somebody genuinely getting hurt that's a major piece of the action. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if people could just calm down, I mean, you can still be excited. Just walk onto the court. I mean, just walk onto the court and – why do you even want to go near? I mean, I understand why people want to go near Philip Haskett. They want to chirp at him, but you know, well, I, and I, I'm sure me personally, some, I don't get that part. You and, know? and I'm sure that some of it's got a little bit of liquid courage involved too. So, I mean, I, I can't right. sit here and say that, you know, if everyone was behaving, behaving in a sober fashion, then we probably wouldn't be having court storming. Um, you know, yeah. Hey mom, I'm on TV and I happen to be, somewhat inebriated, uh, that's not an untold story. That's pretty widespread in many pursuits along sport. So it's going to be very intriguing to see how all of this breaks down moving forward. Niner Brad, we're going to get out of here because we do need to go to a break, but I definitely want to thank you for coming on. Uh, best of luck to the Niners, obviously, this Saturday against South Florida. And we'll have you back on because we'll continue to talk about middle school basketball, high school basketball, and everything getting closer and closer to NCAA tournament time. I appreciate it. Good luck to all the uh, Big South teams, Ashbrook, Kings Mountain, South Point, Huss. Remember, it's just a game. Enjoy it. This is uh, one of the biggest moments probably of your career. Take each possession and enjoy it, and good luck to all those guys. Andy Scastney left him out. Well, that's another uh, well, I'm sorry. It's not Big South. Yes. And that's a little, I missed also. it. So. I've already told Mr. Cheryl good luck. I did say Crest, I believe, but good luck to all – really, good luck to all the local teams and the, the middle school teams. Enjoy it because, I mean, we, I still talk about the county final. I mean, it, it's going to be something you'll talk about and remember forever with your guys, so enjoy it. We'll be back in just a bit here on the Rush Hour Morning Show. Trying to sell your home can be challenging, but that does not mean it has to be hard. With the higher interest rates, you may see fewer showings, fewer offers, and more negotiations. This is where your agent really matters. Being Gaston County's realtor of choice for 37 years and a top agent at Allen Tate Realtors, John R. Bolin can assist you with your real estate needs, whether you're buying or selling your home. If you're seeking great service with one who is known for honesty and integrity, do not hesitate to call John R. Bolin at Allen Tate Realtors at 704-214-3088. 704-214-3088. John R. Bolin of Allen Tate Realtors. Belmont Body Work is here to keep your body moving, offering sports and deep tissue massage to those who are pushing their bodies to the limit, tailored massage to your body needs, and treatment plans designed to help you feel your best. Call 980-477-5424 to schedule your massage with Belmont Body Work. 980-477-5424. Keep your body moving with Belmont Body Work. 980-477-5424. Thank you. 
Hi, folks. This is Brian Rushing of the Rush Hour Morning Show. Have you heard the news? We're moving three hours of hyper-local sports talk and the best conversations to two hours, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 9 a.m. On the home of news, talk, and sports, AM 1450 and 101.1 FM, Gastonia, Charlotte, and streaming online at WGNCRadio.com. It's the Rush Hour Morning Show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. I have a question for you. Do you remember this song? How sweet it is to be loved by you. Okay, let's think about this. Why is it that everyone remembers hundreds of songs almost note by note they never set out to memorize? That's the power of a sticky. When you hear a song or maybe a good advertising message for some frequency week after week for about six months, it gets in your long-term memory, even when you don't intend it to. You remember because you heard it. That's why radio is a sticky advertising medium. You can't hear a newspaper billboard or Facebook ad. Okay, TV has the power of sound too, but advertising Advertising on TV week after week can be very expensive. With radio, you can afford to get sticky. Then someone in the market of what you have to sell, hopefully they will remember you if you want them to. Take advantage of radio, the power of sound. The 704 Sports Academy is a baseball and softball training facility committed to the total development of the athlete. Owner Weston Lawing invites you to learn from qualified instructors that focus on your ability to compete with freedom. Find Weston on Facebook, Instagram, and online at 704sportsacademy.com. The 704 Sports Academy, 704-734-7431. That's 704-734-7431. Welcome you back to the Rush Hour Morning Show on this Tuesday morning as we're going to take a little bit of time uh, to look at some of the games that are going to be happening in this first round of the playoffs, both on the boys and the girls side. And it's also going to give me an opportunity to kind of um, set some things in place that, um, you know, will definitely need to be discussed as, as we move forward. And it's also going to give me an opportunity to track down something that I got the other day. Um, I'm going to try to see if I can find this. Just a just a note from folks that are tuning in to the show. And, and, and if you're new to the show, we thank you so much for joining us here on AM 1450 and 101.1 FM, streaming online at WGNCRadio.com, of course, the podcast. If you've not become part of the podcast group that tunes in on Spotify or Apple or SoundCloud, all you got to do is search for the Rush Hour Morning Show on your favorite utility, whether it's Apple, um, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and uh, give us a listen. Um, Maybe subscribe, become a follower of what we're doing. We'd love for you to do that. As you can find us on X or Twitter at Rush Hour WGNC. Any way that you can do that to support us, that would be phenomenal. We would appreciate it greatly. Um, as here's some of the games of note, 
Um, Highland Tech on the boys' side, 32 seed. They're going to go to South Stokes today in the 1A tournament. Brevard is going to travel to Shelby. Shelby's an 8 seed in the 2A bracket. East Gaston, who we already covered, they're going to go to West Caldwell, take on West Caldwell, an 11 seed in the tournament. Burns, a 27 seed. They're going to go to Randleman tonight. Then in the 3A bracket, Statesville's going to go to Boiling Springs to take on Crest. Crest is a 5 seed. Now, we mentioned this in the conversation with Brad Mulkey. There is a reality because Concord is coming in to take on 12-seeded Ashbrook. Now, if Ashbrook beats Concord and Crest beats Statesville, then you're going to have a scenario where those two clubs are going to face off against one another in Boiling Springs. And again, those two clubs is going to create a very interesting matchup. Um, you kind of feel for them because this is a matchup that probably you'd have rather seen deeper in the playoffs. Uh, but with the way the seedings have gone, um, this is what you have. And the reality is, is these are two clubs um, that could make a run. And if they do face off against each other, at least we will know that one team is going to make its way into the third round of the state playoffs out of the Big South Conference. And I think the goal is certainly a little more lofty than that. I think that this Big South Conference is going to have the opportunity to have several teams go at least into the third round. So something to ponder there. Of course, Kings Mountain's going to take on Northwest Cabarrus at home tonight. Franklin's going to travel to North Lincoln. Now, this Frank Franklin-North Lincoln matchup is an intriguing one because it's a 16-17 matchup. The 16-17 matchup in the 3A is going to create a circumstance where I want to make sure that I've got this pulled up. Hickory's going to take on West Charlotte tonight. That's a 132 matchup. North Lincoln and Franklin will face each other tonight. It is possible that if North Lincoln wins, and certainly Hickory is going to beat West Charlotte, you're going to see North Lincoln take on Hickory for a fourth time this year. And in the three games, they haven't really been competitive. Hickory has had its way with North Lincoln this season. Does North Lincoln have one monumental game in the tank against Hickory? If they get their opportunity, they'll certainly find out on Friday as that game would be played in Hickory coming up this week. As we move forward in the 3A bracket, Huss, of course, is going to North Henderson. That's a 18-15 matchup. South Point goes to Freedom. That's a 24-9 that will be played in Morganton. And then East Lincoln, the 25 seed, with a chance against Piedmont, the 8 seed. Uh, so that makes up the 3A bracket, of course, with no 4A teams in our local listenership. We don't really cover that bracket, but we did have Scott Taylor on, the 4A state champion Myers Park Club. They'll begin their pursuit as a four seed in this year's tournament as they'll have their opening round matchup tonight as well. Corky, out of all of those matchups that we talked about, is there anything really that particularly jumps out to you that it is incredibly intriguing from your standpoint? Uh, you know, I guess kind of the same uh, conversation or argument we have during football season, you know, the, there's 10 conferences, right? So whoever wins the conference gets a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. Sure. And then you go from there. But then you look at a conference like the Big South 3A. I mean, it's loaded, Brian. I mean, you, you mean to tell me an Ashbrook team is 
you know, can't go to the third round? Well, they can't this year because they're going to have to play Crest in the second round. But what I'm saying is you split them up and give them an opportunity to play some of these, quote, top teams or, or conference champs. I think the Big South, just like it does in football, has a chance to go. Somebody's going to go to the third round. Well, and that's the thing about it. If Ashbrook and Crest take care of their business tonight, one of the Big South conference teams will go to the, to the third the house. Round. Yeah, but well, the other one's going to the house. Sure, and and that's that's unfortunate, but that's, I mean, you can't really do anything. you got to play somebody. I mean, the fact of the matter is Hunter Huss is arguably the hottest team in the Big South conference right now, and they could get past North Henderson. Their reward for getting past North Henderson is what's likely going to be waiting for them in round two, which is Central Cabarrus. Now, let's be honest. Um, momentum is only as good as the next day's opponent. Central Cabarrus can stop a lot of momentum from a lot of teams. The fact of the matter is, is that Hunter Huss wants an opportunity to play against the best, and they'll certainly get that opportunity if they can get past the first round. The one thing that I, I absolutely don't want to see is I don't want to see any of these big South Conference teams come up empty because if all five teams that are in this tournament this year get an opportunity to go to at least the second round, I think it would validate this league in a way that that really is – it would speak to the quality of the league. The fact of the matter is this is a very good high school conference. And I think for high – I mean, for South Point to have the opportunity to knock off the better seed – would speak to what this club uh, – it, it would be a testament to what this club has been able to endure this year because they've been through a very tumultuous season. And so if they were to pick up a win, and I think this is what's going to happen, they're either going to be incredibly engaged, they're going to pull off an upset tonight against Morganton Freedom, or they're going to be completely disengaged and Morganton Freedom could take them out by 20. And I don't know what we're going to see from South Point tonight. I hope what we see is the best version of South Point, which would give Freedom fits and could conceivably win that first-round matchup. Well, let's let's talk about this game for a second, okay? A potential matchup between Ashbrook and Crest in the second round, right? Sure. Coach Dellinger, unfortunately, got pulled over to some other duties at school. Right. Couldn't join us this morning. But, you know, you, you look at this Crest team. Uh, you know, they've won 18 in a row, but they've lost – two of their last three, are they in trouble? Well, I mean, can, can, can they, can they continue to play with just basically five guards on the floor? You know, the last time they played Ashbrook, they won by four, but you know, Ashbrook's been playing pretty good, pretty good basketball lately. Well, and I think these are two teams that match up very evenly with one another. I don't, I don't know that there's a dramatic amount of difference between Crest and Ashbrook. Now I will say this, if there is a separator between the two clubs, I think it's Crest's ability to shoot the basketball from outside. I think Crest shoots the basketball well from outside. I think that's one of the struggles that Ashbrook has is being able to shoot the ball consistently well across the board from outside. And again, the three-point shot is the great equalizer. So an underdog team can come in and knock off a team that's a better seed. But if you're the home team, and you've got shooters, you can really insulate yourself from any sort of late runs that a team that's trying to pull off an upset might be able to generate. And so, again, when you're looking at that, if those two clubs face off against each other, I would give Crest the slight edge. They, are, they would be playing at home. 
I do believe that they're a little more reliable from outside. Well, well, let, let's talk about this for a second, right? So we talk about how, you know, Coach, uh, Coach Fan was talking about they sold over 1,000 tickets to the last game when they lost um, against Hunter Huss. Right. But, dude, that's a lot of people, right? And, and you would think that gives you home court advantage, but, the, you know, two of the last three games Crest has lost, they've both been at home. So let me ask you something. Do the Crest contingent, do they go to Crest tonight? Are they excited about coming back? Are they like, ah, you know, does the team have to start over? How's the vibe up there now? No, I think the vibe's going to be fine because here's something to consider. In those two games that they've lost out of the last three, who was the common opponent? The Kings Mountain Mountaineers. The reality is, with all due respect, okay, this club that's coming in to take on Kings, I mean, to take on Crest Statesville, the Greyhounds, they're not Kings Mountain. I get it. And they're not going to travel as well as Kings Mountain's going to travel. And the reality is, is that this is a club in Statesville that's not going to create the same issues for Crest that Kings Mountain does. Kings Mountain has enough difference in the way they play and how they go about their personnel that can create Crest some matchup issues. I don't know that Statesville necessarily creates that type of problem. Hey, do you not? I know you've looked at these brackets a lot. Um, do you, do you just by looking at it and the seeds and the numbers and the opponents and the you know all that good stuff? Does it not appear that Kings Mountain has the best shot to go the furthest? Well, I mean, if we if we look at the Kings Mountain bracket or or the part of the bracket that Kings Mountain is in, when I look at that, I see Kings Mountain as an eleven. They should take down Northwest Cabarrus tonight. That would not be a major surprise to me at all. But here's the thing, okay? And you've touched on this as it relates to basketball. And I think much of the same thing applies, maybe even more so in basketball, when you look at who the next opponent most likely would be, East Henderson. Mm -hmm. If East Henderson can get past Oak Grove, then it would be East Henderson hosting Kings Mountain. Well, guess what I know? I know for a fact Kings Mountain's a good enough basketball team to knock off East Henderson. Absolutely. There's no question about it. So then you start looking at Central Davids. Yep. And what could conceivably be, and let and, and I want to be very clear here. When you put East Henderson on the floor versus Kings Mountain, you're going to see hey, wait a minute, which one of these clubs is the sixth seed? Because I'm having trouble figuring that part out. Yeah. Okay? So, let's say Kings Mountain faces off against Central Davidson. I think Kings Mountain is exactly the type of team that could knock off Central Davidson. Absolutely. So, in short, to answer your question, I think they've got about as favorable a bracket as an 11 seed could right. at this point. Yeah. And I think they've got all the makings. Again, the one thing that I think could create a problem for this Kings Mountain Club is its youth. That's the one thing in my mind that could be a hiccup in all this. Yeah, but do you not take do you not take that experience that you had the other night playing in front of that big crowd? You know, I'm sure coach didn't take those guys back and browbeat them. You know, he probably he, he probably got on them a little bit for the things they did wrong, but you, that's a that's a great learning experience. The game really, not saying it didn't matter. It's for the conference championship, you know. To be it the, mattered, but, but, you, 
But in the grand scheme of things, it don't win you a state championship. No, it doesn't. No, so you take those guys back to the drawing board, you, you, you know, work on the stuff you need to work on, you just get refocused. They're athletic enough. They're good enough. You've been talking about Bradley Floyd since the first week of the season. Yes. Okay. Because kids the truth. Yeah. Now, let me say this. That, that game against Hunter Huss was one of the many pieces that I think this club has been able to grow up quite a bit this year. The, the Big South Conference is a meat grinder, period. You add on to the fact that they went to the championship game despite their youth. That tells you what this club is capable of doing. I think that they're going to go into, if, if this club does what I think they're going to do, they're going to face off against Central Davidson. And I think they're going to say, hey, you want to know something? We've seen this song and dance before. We've played teams like this in our league. I think we've got something for them. And then I think you could have a real slobber knocker on your hands. The reality is, is I think Kings Mountain has seen as many teams that look like Central Davidson than Central Davidson's seen teams that look like Kings Mountain. And I think that's going to be a great equalizer. Again, the Big South Conference is a tremendous crucible for any team that qualifies highly in this playoff. And I think Kings Mountain is no, no exception. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some middle school basketball. Don't forget about the exclusive podcast that we're going to come out with a little bit later on today. But because of the opening, we may be able to talk a little bit about high school baseball that opened up yesterday. All that as we continue on this Tuesday morning, Rush Hour Morning Show. We'll be back in just a bit. Attention Gastonia homeowners, it's time for a fresh start. Are you tired of getting lost on a sea of products? Do you long for expert advice and personalized service? It's time to break up with your big box store and upgrade to home outlet. Now open at 1495 East Franklin Boulevard. Say goodbye to limited choices at high prices. Say hello to the largest selection of in-stock kitchens, baths, floors, and more, all at a guaranteed low price. Visit store manager Chris and his experienced team at your 100% employee-owned home outlet today or shop online at homeoutlet.com. Where can you find hyperlocal sports talk in Gaston County? Where can you find the best conversation with the movers and shakers of local sports talk? That's right. You find it right here on the Rush Hour Morning Show every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the home of News Talk and Sports. WGNC AM 1450 and 101.1 FM, Gastonia, Charlotte, and streaming online at WGNCRadio.com. It's the Rush Hour Morning Show every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Rebels Contracting Services has specialized in the healthcare imaging industry since 1986. Located in Gastonia, Rebels Contracting is now hiring. Rebels offers competitive pay, vacation and holiday pay, 401k and insurance. If you'd like to join the Rebels Contracting team, check us out online at rebelscontracting.com or call 704-864-2000. That's 704-864-2000. 704-864-2000. 
Since the beginning of 2023, the Rush Hour Morning Show has become your go-to for hyper-local sports talk. Whether you listen for scores and analysis, compelling conversations, or that bit of fun in the morning, the Rush Hour Morning Show has grown a sizable audience in Gaston County and surrounding areas. Our podcast numbers reflect a robust listenership. This listenership is made up of people searching for your products and services. We would love to tell your company's story. Email us at rushhourwgnc at gmail.com or call 704-689-3820 to find out how your business can tell its story affordably on our Rush Hour Morning Show. That number again, 704-689-3820 or email us rushhourwgnc at gmail.com. The Rush Hour Morning Show, your source for hyper-local sports talk and hyper-local advertising. All right, folks, let's get started. Parents, thanks for coming. As many of you know, I'm Coach Mather. Tonight I want to talk about the season, of which I only have one expectation, that everybody gets stronger. When I say get stronger, I'm not referring solely to physical strength. Sure, we'll be in the weight room, we'll be running stairs, but we're also going to focus on developing mental toughness and grit because those are the characteristics that allow us to achieve greatness both on and off the court. So how do we develop those things? By getting comfortable with a challenge, by cultivating the confidence necessary to overcome adversity in all forms. That's why I coach. That's my purpose. Every member of this team can lean on me and I'll teach them how they can lean on themselves and each other. This message presented by the NCHSAA and the North Carolina Athletic Directors Association. Final segment here of the Rush Hour Morning Show on this Tuesday morning. So Glenn Beck will be on at 9 o'clock, Clay and Buck at 12 noon, Sean Hannity at 3, and then, of course, we'll have our our podcast exclusive to where we're going to break down from start to finish middle school basketball and how we got to where we are in the playoffs. And we're going to break down every angle of the four teams that were at six and four on the boys side. That's a podcast exclusive that we're going to do after this show comes to a close this morning. And then we'll release it a little bit later on today as its own exclusive podcast that you will not hear on AM 1450 or 101.1 FM, it's a podcast-only exclusive. We're going to throw that out there, sort of an overtime, if you will, of what we're doing. Just a note that I do want to get to before we carry on. There is, Corky, a possibility, because we want to talk about the Southern Piedmont 1A-2A conference. They've got a similar scenario to what Ashbrook and Crest have in the Big South. There's a possibility that East Gaston, a 22 seed, could beat West Caldwell. Okay. And if Burns were to happen to pull off the upset against Randleman, those two clubs could face off against each other in round two. Now, those two teams are quote-unquote underdogs in their respective brackets to where Ashbrook and Crest are the favorites. I think it's more likely that we would see Ashbrook Crest face off against one another than in particular East Gaston and Burns. However... When I look at this Randleman club, yeah, I'm sure they're very athletic. But again, East Gaston, 
a team of shooters, always the great equalizer. I think if there's one of these teams out of Gaston County that could shock people around the county and get on a roll in the playoffs, it could be East Gaston. Now, they could also go one and out. That's, that's just. I don't a, think that's going to happen. I, I don't either. I don't think they're going to go one and out. I think this is a club. Just like, just like Nina Brad was talking about. What's that point guard's name? Jace Rose, something like that? Jace Rowe. All right. He's been playing pretty good. He's averaging about 10 points a game. Well, you, you can't, you can't double-team Cheryl all night. Somebody's going to be open. And those kids hit shots. Right. So he might not, he might not go out there and score 28, 29 points, but he's, he's getting 16. He's going to get 18. If those other guys fill it up and, you know, get 14, 15 apiece, that's pretty That's pretty steady, man. Shooter, shooters make all the difference in the world. Yeah, absolutely. They, they really, really do. So we'll be tracking all that. And, of course, we'll have the scores for you during the sports capsule tomorrow morning when we get here on the Rush Hour Morning Show at 7 o'clock. So I want to update everybody on what the actual playoff brackets look like on both the boys' and the girls' side for middle school basketball. And then I want to try to pivot, if I can, and try to get a note that was sent to us about Stuart Kramer girls basketball. I'm still trying to track that down because I was going to talk about it yesterday and I haven't been able to do so. This is what we got on the boys' side. On the boys' side, Greer's the one seed. They're going to host WC Friday. When we do this podcast exclusive, we're going to break down how WC Friday got to be the four seed. Now, they've got a tall task ahead of them. Greer's an incredibly good team with an incredibly good offensive system. Alec Hudson has those guys rolling offensively. But WC Friday is going to get their shot against Greer, who they recently played. So any sort of a scout that WC Friday could get against Greer is going to be rather recent. It's going to be rather fresh. They're going to get an opportunity to take on Greer on Thursday. And then, of course, what's going to be Black Thursday, as I'm already calling it, you could call it Bedlam. You could call it Mayhem. You could call it whatever you want. It is going to be nuts in Wildcat Gymnasium on Thursday. As the three-seed Stanley takes on the two-seed Belmont, with Stanley having won a game against Belmont just a week ago. And one of the things that we're going to break down, and I'm going to tease this, Corky. I told everyone earlier in the show that there's a number that we want you to keep in mind. And we're going to break all this down during this podcast exclusive we do on the other side of the show coming to a close. That number, Corky, 41. What is that? The over? We'll talk about it during the podcast exclusive. That number right there is a key for going into the Thursday game between Stanley and Belmont. And I'll explain why when we get into that podcast exclusive. On the girls, Holbrook's going to take on Bessemer City. Holbrook dispatched Bessemer City yesterday 50-16 to 16, at Bessemer City. I do not see anything any different happening on Thursday. Bessemer City, if I'm just being honest, is overmatched. Holbrook, with their guard combination, is just dominant right now. And I think they're going to cruise into the county championship game. And... When you look at what transpired the last time that Southwest and Belmont faced off against one another, because they faced off against one another in Belmont, and it was a fairly one-sided affair. Um, and it wasn't necessarily anything that 
Belmont was able to do offensively. Belmont scored more than enough points to win that ball game. They, they cruised to that win. But it's what they were able to do defensively that made all the difference in this contest. When you look at what Belmont did defensively against the Southwest Roadrunners, when you look at this Southwest Roadrunners club, Soraya McCorkle is the star on this Roadrunners team. There's just not a whole lot of doubt about that. Sally Risk was given the assignment of Soraya McCorkle, and she neutralized her considerably because Sally Risk has enough size to stay in front of and compete with Soraya McCorkle and enough speed to really create problems for her. And if there's ever a point to where Soraya McCorkle got it into real scoring position, the club did a very good job of helping defensively. And there's no real second option for Southwest on the offensive end. To where when you look at Belmont offensively, obviously things on the inside start and stop with Stella Absher. There's no question about it. But then you look at what Rowan Trexler brings. Rowan Trexler may arguably be the best outside shooter in the county. Maybe. It could be debated, but she's certainly among the elites in Gaston County girls as far as outside shooters concerned. You've got Alice Bass, who can drive to the basket. You've got plenty of options for Belmont, too few options for Southwest. And again, something that we've been seeing here is two clubs that, in my mind, seem to be just going at the same trajectory against one another. Holbrook and Belmont for the county championship on the 6th of March. Does 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 the mayor, Bryson Summy and, and, and the rest of those guys at Stanley Middle, do they do they legitimately have a shot to come to Belmont Thursday and beat the Wildcats? 100%. You think so? 100%. You don't think it was a fluke? No. And that's what I'm saying. There's such contrasting well, styles here. Okay, well, listen. You got to remember, uh, how many free throws did, did Belmont miss that game? Several. 20? A ton. 15, 20? Several. Had 20 turnovers? Yes. How much of that is is accredited to Stanley and their system? Because I wasn't at the game. Well, Stanley can't get full credit for all. I mean, their free throw defense obviously was very good on Thursday. Okay? (laughs) Okay? You can't always rely on that. But their style of play is so defense. But their style of play is so dramatically different. That's why I call them their style of play is very similar to Virginia. They don't run the same defensive schemes as Virginia, but the way they try to control tempo is so incredibly different. And that's why this this podcast exclusive, I've done a deep dive into all this. That's why the number 41 is going to stand out when we do this exclusive. We're going to break down this middle school basketball season in about 15 minutes' time, and we're going to be able to put that out later on today. It's going to be a fascinating dive into middle school basketball. It really is. But before we get out of here, definitely want to spend a little time talking about high school baseball. We've had so much going on on the basketball front, we haven't even really been able to touch on high school baseball as of yet. And it got started yesterday. And I can't wait till we can really give much of our attention to high school baseball because I know you feel like I do. I mean, we're baseball junkies, especially at the high school level. This is something that I think 
is going to make for a fascinating dive this springtime. Now, usually, usually open a day in high school baseball is freezing cold. Nobody wants to be out there. Yesterday was beautiful, wasn't it, B. Rush? It's fantastic. It was beautiful. What about what? Are, you know, Troy Phillips came on the show, fired up about his basketball team. What about the Hunter Hus Huskies baseball team picking up a win yesterday? Six nothing shutout yeah. against West Mac. So South, kudos South, to those guys. South Point lost four to nothing to Burns. Burns is loaded, man. We've talked about this Burns club before. Yeah. I mean, look, let's let's be honest. This is a group that can play a little bit. There's no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, Coach Linhart is the most downloaded podcast in the show's history. That's amazing. Yeah, sure is. And you know something? I think eventually that number is going to fall. Because uh, if we're able to build oh, it's gonna fall. the audience that we've had so far join us that's piggybacked onto this show in basketball season and we transition it into baseball for both middle school and high school, Katie, bar the door. It's going to be fun. We doing it, baby. It's fun. Glenn Beck's going to come on at 9. So what we're going to do is we're going to shut the broadcast down. Of course, you'll carry on with WGNC as you would do on the daily. Once that happens, we're going to reset everything here. We're going to do this middle school podcast exclusive on the Rush Hour Morning Show podcast. We're going to deliver that out a little bit later on today. We're going to see what kind of numbers it gets. Because I think with the middle school audience that we've developed, it's going to be a pretty big thing. All part of an exclusive that we're doing here in just a matter of minutes on the Rush Hour Morning Show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll recover high school basketball and then some. God bless everybody. We'll catch you tomorrow. So we thank you for tuning in to this Rush Hour Morning Show podcast. Don't forget, folks, we jam three hours of content into two hours every single day, Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. On the Rush Hour Morning Show, WGNC AM 1450, 101.1 FM. Streaming online at WGNCRadio.com. Until we're back with you again for the next Rush Hour Morning Show podcast, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.